Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1 The IDF is currently making progress in southern Gaza's Kuza neighborhood near Khan Yunis with the 5th Reserve Brigade eliminating multiple Hamas terrorists and dismantling the terror group's infrastructure there. This offensive follows the Hamas attack on Nir Oz on October 7th where numerous Israelis were killed and kidnapped. The IDF aims to gain, quote, operational control over the area, having already neutralized Hamas gunmen and targeted significant assets, such as tunnel networks and anti-tank missile launch positions. Meanwhile, a high-level Hamas delegation is expected in Egypt on Friday, December 29th, for discussions with Cairo on ending the nearly 12-week war with Israel, which began with the deadly October 7th onslaught by the terror group. In a, quote, frustrating call over the weekend, U.S. President Joe Biden told Prime Minister, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu that the Israeli government's decision to withhold Palestinian tax funds following Hamas's shock onslaught on October 7th must be resolved. This is coming from an Axios report citing U.S. and Israeli officials and a, quote, source with knowledge of the issue. One of the U.S. officials told Axios the call between the two leaders on uh, last Shabbos was one of the most difficult and, quote, frustrating so far since October 7th. Thursday, December 28th, saw ongoing shelling along the Lebanon-Israel border, while Lebanese officials engaged in discussions with counterparts from France and Britain to address the escalating conflict between Israel and Hezbollah, the influential Iranian-backed paramilitary group. Hezbollah asserted responsibility for simultaneous attacks at around 4 p.m. local time, targeting multiple barracks across northern Israel, or so they claim. According to the Israel Defense Forces, the IDF approximately 20 launches were identified on Thursday directed at Kiryat Shmona, a northern Israeli municipality that has been repeatedly targeted by Hezbollah strikes in recent days. Number 2 The state of Maine pitched the 2024 election into deeper chaos and constitutional confusion on Thursday, December 28th by becoming the second state to throw former President Donald Trump off the ballot over the January 6th incident. The move from the Maine Secretary of State following a similar decision from the Colorado Supreme Court earlier this month worsened the growing crisis for the Trump campaign and strengthened the rationale for the U.S. Supreme Court to take up the issue, arising from the 14th Amendment's, quote, insurrectionist ban. It has already exacerbated the havoc already surrounding the election and could cement ever wider national divides. The increasing uncertainty urgently needs a resolution, with Iowa poised to kick off voting in the Republican nominee, nominating race on January 15th and other key ballot deadlines looming. Maine Secretary of State Shanna Bellows, a Democrat, paused her decision pending a potential appeal in state court, which former President Donald Trump's team said they intend to file. Maine's decision only deepened the unprecedented legal and political tangle surrounding the 2024 campaign. Two states have now deemed that the former president engaged in an insurrection against the U.S. government, an unprecedented accusation at any other moment in history, and has yet to actually be accused. The controversy, however, also raises new questions over whether Democrats' efforts 
to make Trump, quote, pay for the January 6th incident are justified on the grounds of protecting America's democracy from a uniquely pernicious challenge, or could totally backfire politically against President Joe Biden and the Democrats next fall. The multiple criminal charges brought against Trump have thus far tended to hike his popularity among base voters, contrary, contrary to what the Democrats have hoped. Republican President candidate Chris Christie told CNN this morning on Friday, December 29th, that actions like those in Colorado and Maine only serve to make the former president a, quote, martyr. He said, quote, while people may think there's a justification for doing this, it's not good in our democracy. In the end, Donald Trump should be defeated by the voters at the polls and defeated by someone like me, who is willing to tell the truth about him. However, Chris Christie still ranks under 15% in national polls, as opposed to Donald Trump, who is polling at over 45% nationally. Number three. The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA for short, is working with four companies to design an experimental vertical takeoff and landing aircraft that can fly at speeds far faster than the V-22 Osprey, the Air Force's fastest aircraft and the world's fastest fighter jet. The collaboration comes as the U.S. military considers how it might operate aircraft in areas that lack traditional runways. DARPA calls its program SPRINT, an acronym for Speed and Runway Independent Technologies. In November, the agency awarded contracts to Aurora Flight Sciences, Bell Textron, Northrop Grumman, and Piasecki Aircraft Corps to start honing their ideas. The total value for these four deals, which cover the initial phase, could be worth $15 million to $20 million, depending on what options the agency exercises. By spring of 2027, DARPA wants one of those companies to have finished designing and prototyping their aircraft. They want them to have built it and carried out its first flight. Navy Commander Ian Higgins, Sprint's program manager, said in a December 15th interview that speed is one of the key requirements for this aircraft. When the Sprint aircraft flies forward, DARPA wanted to reach speeds of between 400 and 450 knots, or about 460 to 520 miles per hour. The V-22 Osprey has a maximum speed of 270 knots. Higgins said the Sprint aircraft also must be able to hover and be stable, transition between hovering and forward flight, and have a distributed power system during that transition that effectively powers all the propulsion systems. Higgins said Sprint is not focusing on the survivability of potential payload of these concepts. When it comes to achieving those goals, DARPA is giving the competing companies wide latitude. Companies can decide whether their aircraft should be crewed or uncrewed, or flown autonomously or semi-autonomously. Concept art so far released suggests the range of strategies companies might employ for their sprint submissions. In a November 27th release, Bell Textron revealed art showing an Osprey-like tilt-trotter design on an apparently uncrewed aircraft hovering above a platform at sea. Bell said its sprint submission will blend the helicopter's hover capability with the speed, range, and survivability of a jet aircraft. The company also plans to leverage its previous work on high-speed VTOL technology. Bell is conducting risk reduction testing of its folding rotor, integrated propulsion, and flight control technologies at Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico. Aurora, a Boeing subsidiary, said in its own release that it is designing a high-lift, low-drag, 
fan-in-wing aircraft that uses a blended wing body and embedded engines for forward flight, as well as embedded lift fans linked to its engines for vertical flight. The concept image, image Aurora release shows its aircraft's proposed, proposed blended wing body not far off from the Boeing X-48 design. Aurora said it is also using the ideas from its Excalibur uncrewed aircraft, which use jet-borne vertical lift with electrical lift fans that retract into the wing during forward flight. The sprint contract so far awarded cover the initial six-month conceptual design phase. By May of 2024, the companies will have to convince DARPA that their, con their concept will work and can lead to a first flight in 2027. DARPA will then cut at least one contender and move to the next 12 to 15 month phase. At that point, DARPA expects the companies to have their preliminary design complete and the field will be further winnowed. The potential use for high-speed vertical lift aircraft are vast, Higgins said. They can include use by special operations forces and for mobility and logistics operations, personnel recovery, medical transport, and evacuation missions. He added that, quote, anything that requires an aircraft to quickly move in and out of unusual areas. And in a future war, Higgins said, the military might need aircraft able to take off and land from streets, open fields, cratered flight lines, or other locations without traditional runways, and then get away quickly. Thanks for tuning in to the Top 3 segment live on Hako Radio, and have a great day.